A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kowaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to The Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. On today's episode, we review Australia's brilliant start to the ODI series in the UAE, preview the JLT Sheffield Shield final between the Vicks and the Blues, and play a bit of play it or leave it. To do that, we need a special guest, so it's great to welcome back to the program Tamworth Old Boys First Slipper and Australia Vice Captain Josh Hazelwood. Thanks, Harris. Were you at uh, were you at first slip for all those catches? Uh, I was, yes. I parked myself at first slip for the whole game. So, um, yeah, it's, I was pretty happy in there, actually. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a chat about that a bit later on. It's easy when you come back. You just command where you go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, well, we'll start off with um, with you, Josh. You're sitting here as an injured Australian fast bowler. How are you tracking with your body? Yeah, yeah the body's feeling really good. Um, I've had a couple of, I guess, months of training and it's really amped up the last last few weeks. Um, the bowling started last week, just some technical walkthroughs and, and off a couple of paces. So um, everything's on track and um, hopefully just keep moving forward from here. Right, so um, what is, the, what is the, the plan moving forward? I think the World Cup squad gets named in less than a month now. What are you rating your chances of getting in that? Uh, yeah, I think I'll be, I'll be fit. Um, when the squad gets announced, I'll probably be about you know, 65, 70% and um, I've still got a good four or five weeks from that from that date to, to get ready to play one day cricket. So um, plenty of time, I think, and, and hopefully I'll be right. So the plan, I guess, would be to still train here and then they've got that World Cup camp, right, in early May up in Brisbane? Yeah, we head up to Brisbane, uh, as you said, early May. Um, there's a couple of games against New Zealand, I believe. I uh, don't think I'll be fit for those, but um, the one-day warm-up games in England, I think I'll be right. So, um, yeah, cutting a little bit close, I guess, but pretty confident. How do you go with preparing to come back into one-day cricket as compared to test cricket? Yeah, obviously the workloads don't need to be as high and you can probably um, get up for a, for a tournament, a one-day tournament a lot quicker, I guess. So, you know, six or seven weeks is, is probably the usual time. Um, and if we're talking test matches, it probably goes to 10 or 11 weeks. So you just need, I guess, that build-up of back-to-back days of cricket and, um, yeah, it's a lot harder for test cricket. I imagine you'd be desperate to get on that tour to uh, try and defend the championship the the world cup you won in 2015 at home soil yeah absolutely um some great memories from from 2015 um the tournament was obviously at home and um yeah it was just an awesome time that that six or seven weeks so really keen to get on on the tour and um you know be in the uk for the, the whole winter how about mitch stark he's a little bit further along than you is that right how's, how's he going yeah i think so um he he looks fine he, he started bowling as well this um this week and he's obviously coming off not as big a break as me so um won't take him long to get up and running i don't think he's got the that peck injury i think you were saying it was looking quite big so <laughs> maybe he's just trying to keep the size but um certainly still be able to bowl yeah he was happy with the swelling i think um <laughs> but yeah he's it's a quite an unusual injury but um someone who's so flexible like mitch i guess those things can happen so seems to be heading in the right direction though these are the dangers you face when you're bowling 150 kilometers per hour josh so maybe don't do that <laughs> i won't I, won't. <laughs> I think he'll keep trying though <laughs> i think uh, he will yeah it was fairly impressive in that canberra test match wasn't it watching yeah. him from the sidelines what were you thinking oh i Absolutely. I mean, when your average gets to 150, that's that's pretty special. Um, there's no one, you know, no one really in world cricket who can who can do that consistently. So he's one of them. And I guess it's good science for Australia that uh, you guys are on the pathway back to the game with Jai Richardson 
getting injured over there in the UA in that second game. Um, such a shame for Jai because he's been in such great form since coming onto the international arena across all formats this summer. Yeah, you hate seeing that with any player and especially a young young quick who's um, you know, probably had the best summer of his life so far and um, as you said, in every format he's, he's done the business. So um, yeah, obviously didn't read the fast bowlers, mate. <laughs> um, the fast bowlers, um, you know, code of no diving, but um, you know, he'll, he might get used to it now. <laughs> That's the manual you need. It. Is that what right. you, the induction when you get into the fast bowlers <laughs> exactly cartel? Right, yeah. You get the don't dive. What else is in there? Um, I'll have to have a think. But... Field at fine leg. <laughs> That's right. Try and go to slip <laughs> when you can. Um, and I guess, it, I mean, everyone everyone's a selector in Australia, I suppose, but the actual selectors are going to have a couple of headaches because uh, not only is the team up and running at the moment, firing on all cylinders, first in India, now in the UAE, but uh, for that World Cup squad, those 15 guys over there that are performing well, they've also got uh, yourself, Mitch Stark, uh, and probably David Warner and Steve Smith to squeeze into 15 players, it's uh, not going to be easy. No, it's not. You wouldn't want to be a selector um, right at the moment, but I guess it's a good problem to have. It's better this way than, than the other way when you're looking for batsmen. So, as you said, the, the guys have been on fire. Um, in, in India, great comeback, and then it started really well in, in, in the UAE against Pakistan. So, um, yeah, the top order is doing the business. Often when that happens, the middle order doesn't get much of a hit, but um, you know, hopefully they can get a hit in the next couple of games, and um, I'm sure they'll do their best to give everyone a, everyone a hit. And I guess with the way the schedule works, that Australia A are playing over there pretty much at the same time as the World Cup. So if something does happen, um, the guys that do miss out, or at least be in England playing 50-over cricket to start that tour, something does happen and someone does fall to injury, they can just get subbed in straight away and not have to go too far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's really well done by Cricket Australia to, to have that Aussie A tour mirror, I guess, the World Cup first of all. And then, you know, once that's in the back end of that, they start playing some four-day cricket and, you know, guys who aren't the one-day side getting ready for the Ashes can be in England playing with the right ball and the right conditions and um, become really familiar with, with the surroundings, I guess, and, you know, really get some good prep heading into the Ashes. Yeah, World Cup, you're going to have a couple of new assistant coaches. One of them is Ricky Ponting, which I'm sure must be a boost to all the batsmen and probably yourself, Josh. And uh, and also Adam Griffith, who's now the assistant bowling coach. Uh, you worked with him in 2016 on that tri-series in the Caribbean. What's, uh, what's sort of his strengths as a, a bowling coach? Yeah, I guess he... He just came on as a part-time for that one tour in, in 2016 and um, we won the Tri-Series, so he must have done, <laughs> done a pretty good yeah. job. Um, I guess when it's like that, he doesn't want to interrupt too much of what you're working on and um, sort of just floats in and, and works with you as, as best he can. And again, this is going to be just a one one tournament thing, but um, you know he's had a fantastic record with wherever he's been, to be honest, and he's doing some great work down at Tassie with um, a group of young quicks there now, which are really exciting and um, looking forward to having him on the on the tour. On those sort of one-off stints, is it more tactical or, or technical? Yeah, I, I guess he he probably his relationship with all the bowling coaches around Australia and at the states, and getting an idea of where where the bowlers are at and what they're working on, and just doing some background um, information there, I guess, to know exactly where they're at, um, so he can just slide in and and help out um, where he can. And obviously, once that happens, then the tactical side comes into play once we start playing the games, and um, he's been fantastic at that. What do you change in one-day cricket in, in England? Does it change much to bowling in Australia? Um, I don't think too much. The ball might do a little bit more um, in in the first 10 or 15 overs, potentially, so you, you might strive for a few more wickets. But 
um, on the smaller grounds, you know, you you don't want to be bowling at, at batsmen in those last 10 overs. So you probably want to attack a bit more through the, the start and through the middle and hopefully you're bowling at the tail at the end. So you, you'll put your hand up to bowl your 10 out straight away? <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> and uh, for the Ashes, there's going to be another assistant coach who is Troy Cooley, who is with the Aussie squad at the moment. Uh, he's been around for a long time, Troy, all the way back to... Uh, that 2005 series when he was working for England, the enemy. Now he's <laughs> he's back on the good side, I suppose you'd say. Um, but a, a wealth of experience from from Troy, and and what does he bring to the team? Yeah, as you just mentioned there, just experience, I think. Um, and he's worked a lot with the the bowls we have um, going around at the moment. Um, I mean, our first time I worked with him, I think I was 17 or 18, so. Um, he knows what what I'm trying to work on all the time, I guess, and and, and knows a lot of about the other guys as well. So, um, plenty of experience in in England as well, as you just mentioned. So, obviously, a different board, bit different conditions. Um, his technical side of things is probably his weapon. Um, really good on on if you're working on something technically, um, looking at footage and breaking it down, and um, I guess getting it through to the bowlers of of how to go about those changes. And um, yeah, he's been he's been great over a number of years. So you wouldn't have worked on any of your technique when you were back in Tamworth, were you? <laughs> Not bowling over there, but um, what was it like going back playing a bit of club cricket with your brother who completely outshone you? <laughs> it was always going to happen, always <laughs> going to happen. Um, oh, I just how relaxed the game was and I guess you're playing with guys who, who work all week and then play for fun on the weekends and that's the sole reason they play for the enjoyment of the game and um, I guess it just reignites that spark while you first started playing cricket and sometimes it, at this level it can be become a bit of a job day in day out training and playing and um, becomes a bit much sometimes but getting back there and playing with those guys um, purely for the enjoyment on the Saturday afternoon was um, yeah it was really fun um, had a great time you parked yourself at first slip took four <laughs> catches off your brother who took nine for 18 in 20 have you ever seen anything like that no was no. that his best bowling performance ever uh, I think it is actually he, he got another six in the second innings just to, <laughs> just to for the top, game so um, I, I caught on caught three off him in, in the first innings and he had about 30 or 40 plays and misses but um, the wicket just had a little bit in it and the, the ball had quite a big seam on it as well <laughs> so um, he knows what he's doing he can he can swing it around both ways and he's pretty accurate so um, yeah he, he knows what he's doing When was the last time you two had played together? Uh, I left Tamworth I think 2008 so yeah summer of I guess March 2008. Um, so more than, more than a decade. Yeah. yeah, more than a decade. Wow. Was it just like old times? <laughs> it was, it was. It felt a bit strange not being able to bowl in a game, but um, yeah, I think the body was happy. <laughs> and who were the folks supporting? I mean, obviously both of you, but uh, I guess with Aaron taking nine wickets, <laughs> he got a lot of the cheers. Absolutely. Um, there's a surprisingly a nice little crowd there and a lot of kids running around. So um, there's a good little atmosphere there at, at number one Oval in Tamworth and they're actually in the grand final coming up on, on the weekend, so... You're not going up? Wish them all the best. You're not going up to play? <laughs> no, my brother texted me wanted me to go up and field, just be the <laughs> sub-fielder, but um, no, I'll leave that to them. And uh, you got 30 or 40 with the bat, right? Uh, batting at number four. Now, most people would know you as, as a number 11 <laughs> in Australian cricket, but you go back to town with your second drop. Yeah, that's right. I said to the, the captain, said you're going at number four. So um, I didn't want to go any higher than that in case the ball was still a bit new. So um, <laughs> yeah, slid in at number four and... Managed to, to noodle a couple around and, and get 40-odd. So, it was, um, yeah, it was good fun. Um, having a bit of pressure on 
batting, which is a little bit different. So it's good fun. And I think you touched on it before about the reason why people play cricket is for that enjoyment factor and people who go to work, they train a couple of nights a week and they get to play on Saturdays. I mean, what did it feel like going back to the grassroots and really touching base with um, the heart and soul of cricket in this country? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went to the, the trainings during the week as well and um, they're pretty relaxed as well, you know. Um, not quite as as scheduled out as, as some of our training sessions, but, um, you know, everyone has a hit in the bowl and um, just has a good good time and... Um, yeah, that's the one thing that struck with me, I think, from from playing back home with those guys. And I mean, some of them are even, you know, forty plus years of age, and uh, they're not moving as best as they they probably did when they were <laughs> younger. But um, they still love the game and and turn up every Saturday willing to play. Did anybody like? Did you feel people lift their game when they were bowling at you? <laughs> was there any extra attention? Uh, they were cert- certainly wary of a few cameras around, a few photos being taken, so they were they were sucking in a, a bit of the time <laughs> to to get the figure right. But um, no, it was it was all good. Now, Josh, you are not um, unaccustomed to being part of advertisements and commercials and marketing, given your status and role in Australian cricket. Uh, so as you, you probably don't know this, but uh, we're still trying to find a sponsor for this podcast. Uh, the guys in India did a wonderful job um, selling some unique products, uh, fictional products. These are not uh, in any way real or established. Um, we've got another one today, uh, and I figured who better to come in and try and help us than the most experienced salesman <laughs> in the Australian setup. Uh, maybe it's maybe you and Pat Cummins, I, I think. think so, yeah. Cummins might have it at the moment. Josh, you do a fair bit of travel as an Australian fast bowler, hey? Yep, sure do. Planes, trains, buses, escalators, you name it. Segways? No, not segways. Uh, all right. Well, uh, when you do travel, it's not often solo, right? Uh, you're with your teammates, support staff and members of the public. Yeah, it's a real mix. Sometimes we get to travel with greats of the game like Ricky Ponning to scumbag journalists like... Oh, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. And I imagine that during this travel, some of your teammates would talk some garbage, annoy you, invade your personal space. Oh, yeah, you bet. Go on, name names. <laughs> um, Nathan Lyon. Nathan Lyon. <laughs> well, what if I told you there was a way to keep the gibbers at bay and not have you coming off looking like a total jerk? I tell you I'm all ears. Josh... You couldn't have said it better. All Ears is the latest misdirection device from our good friends at Houdini Hearing. All Ears look and feel like the best Bluetooth wireless headphones on the market, but it's a hidden secret that sets them apart. Go on. I'm listening. And that's the point. You are listening, but everyone thinks you're not. Wearing a set of All Ears makes you look like you've just tuned out listening to the freshest music or your favorite episode of the Unplayable Podcast, but in reality... You can still hear everything that's going on around you. Sure, all this has volume buttons and USB plugs and all that stuff, but there are no music capabilities. When you put on all ears, you're telling the pest to give it a rest, but you're not. Get it? Hang on. And what's more, all ears come in a variety of colors, shapes, and sizes, all for the competitive price of $599.99. But we have a special offer for our listeners. If you use the promo code Unplayable Podcast, you will go in the draw to win a 5% discount. But wait. So what are you waiting for? Disappear without fear by going to houdinihearing.com.au slash all ears and get your first pair today. Yeah, but mate, why couldn't you just use normal headphones? Ones that do the same thing and play music. Like, all the boys already have them and put them on when they want to be left alone. Well, um, you know, I mean, you, <clears throat> you could do that. But um, anyway, um, how about a Segways? Look, just grab a pair of all ears today and hit your privacy problems for six. 
Uh, Josh, Australia up 2-0 in the uh, five-match series against Pakistan and the UAE. A uh, pair of eight-wicket wins, getting them to that margin in Sharjah. Skipper Aaron Finch has led the way with twin hundreds, 116 and 153. Not out. Uh, it's been a rocky road since the last World Cup for the one-day team, but it looks like they might be peaking at the right time. Yeah, we always, I guess we always seem to do that some, um, a lot of the time. I mean, there's a lot of one-day cricket played in between the big tournaments, and as you said, we've had a bit of a rocky last 12 months, 18 months, and I guess now that we've got that World Cup in sight, we're starting to play some really good cricket, and probably especially the batters, to be honest. Um, those top four are doing the business, which you want in one-day cricket. So, yeah, all signs are looking good. I mean, we're talking about headaches before with some of the players. You've got guys like Aaron Finch, Usman Khawaja, Sean Marsh got 90 odd the other day. Maxwell Stoinis is the one reigning one day player of the year. Um, there's a lot of middle of spots. And then Ashton Turner goes and plays a blinder in those last couple of games in India. Um, how are you going to fit all these players in? <laughs> I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, 15 players, obviously, in the squad. So there's, there's room for, you know, probably two spare bowlers, a spare batter, and an all rounder. So, um, yeah, it's going to be some big headaches for the selectors, as you said. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be picking the side. <laughs> what kind of boost does it give you as a bowler when you see the top order fire like that? Yeah, I mean, especially chasing, I think. Um, when you're chasing those runs under under pressure, you know you have to get 280, 290, 300 a lot of the time. Um, and to do it two down with a couple of overs to spare both times, then, you know, that's fantastic. And it just gives, I guess, gives the whole order confidence, not just the top four. Mm. Um, have you been talking to any of the players over there, line or Cummins of the New South Wales guys, have you been speaking about how the tour's going? Yeah, yeah, they said that it's going really well. Paddy's enjoying the, the rest for the first two games and I guess he'll be back um, tonight, I think the third game is. So, um, yeah, he's been going fantastic as well. And, and Lino's loving the one-day cricket, hasn't played too much in recent times, but really enjoying the tour and um, he said that the vibe around the group's going well. What about Cummins with the new ball? I mean, you and Mitch have taken it off him for the past year or so. Now he's got it back and he's doing really well. You're going to snatch it back off him when he uh, when you come back in the team? Uh, I'm not too sure. He's um, Everything he's touching at the moment has turned to gold. So, um, you know, in all formats, he's, he's doing really well. And I guess all those, the 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 prospect there of him, you know, being number one player was always there and he had some tough road and then, He's come out the other side and um, everything's clicking for him. So, um, yeah, feeling really good for him. Has he uh, been a bit more vocal on the, the group chat <laughs> since he's become number one? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. He's maybe just taking in his stride at the moment. Um, probably wait until we get on back on tour and he'll start giving it to us. Just so. drop it in subtly every, <laughs> subtly now, and again. every now and again. Well, they've so. been, I think the Lions been calling him uh, number one yeah. and AB. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. It only gets extreme when he starts calling himself that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll you wait. don't want to see Hopefully that. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it might. <laughs> Aaron Finch, he was um, under a bit of pressure going to that series in India. A couple of good knocks there, but now these these hundreds in the UAE. What kind of confidence does it give the team when you see the skipper out there leading from the front, scoring lots of runs? Yeah, absolutely. It's that's what he wants to do as a leader, obviously, and and lead by example and from the front. So, a couple of big hundreds, um, match winning hundreds, and. Um, yeah, as you said, rocky, rocky last six twelve months, and come out the other side now. He's doing a lot of hard work behind the scenes that I guess a lot of people don't see, and um, just doesn't happen that you know that switch in form. So well earned, and um, yeah, happy for him. It's funny, everyone we spoke to over there in India uh, always had his back. Everyone supported him, said it's going to come. Runs are just around the corner. Um, Finch said it himself, whether he was saying it to make him believe it or not, who knows? But um, Everyone just got around him. I think we were saying, like, you know, this whole 
form as temporary class as permanent. You could just feel that runs were coming for him, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that can happen with a lot of the batsmen if you just give them time. Um, they'll go through their rough trots like anyone else, and if you give them enough games, and that's obviously it comes to the other batsman to fill those runs while he's struggling and, and vice versa now that Finch is back that someone else might go through a rough period and we just got to get around those guys and um, give them a good extended run in the team and, and they they should repay her like Finch has done. Um, his record in one day cricket's fantastic. I think he's up to 12 or 1300s now and in 100 games so um, it's a pretty good record. It's funny when people say they're going to drop Aaron Finch. I mean you just can't get 1100s from nowhere can you? That's right. Absolutely. Um Virat Kohli said at the end of the series uh, he couldn't pinpoint one team to be the biggest threat for the World Cup. Um, Australia uh, were underdogs, I guess, mm. before that series, but now with all this success and momentum, they might be up there challenging for favouritism. But who do you see as the, the bigger threat to the World Cup? Uh, I think India are always a, a massive threat wherever wherever in the world we're playing one-day cricket. Um, England at home, obviously a lot of pressure on them. So whether they feel it or not... Um, a lot of expectation of them in this World Cup. And, and South Africa, I think, are always a strong side. Um, New Zealand, I mean, you could name name nearly everyone, to mm. be honest. There's only 10 teams in the tournament, so each each game is going to have big significance. And, um, yeah, you can't can't be off for one game because it could, could mean a difference. Speak about the expectation of England. You guys had to deal with that in 2015. Did you feel it? Did you feel the sort of extra pressure of playing at home and expecting to win? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think... The loss in New Zealand probably eased that a little bit. Um, so sort of come back to neutral and reassess where we were at and um, and then head towards the finals with a, a bit different look on things, I guess. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely the feeling of, you know, it's, it's ours to lose, I guess. Um, but we're lucky enough to get the job done and, I guess, um, yeah, it was it was a good six weeks. How do you, how do you manage that? Is it, do you do anything different? Um, I guess trying not to listen to too much outside noise. Um you know the the pressure's on to to win it, um, being at home and, and being the top ranked side. I think as we were in that in that tournament, um, but just stick to your basics and stick to what you're doing right to to win games of cricket and stick to your role. So don't try and do too much and 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 don't listen to outside noise. I guess. I wonder how much the 2017 Champions Trophy has either helped or hindered that for England because they were expected to win that tournament as well, bounce that in the semis to eventual champions Pakistan. But I wonder if that's maybe giving them a bit more of a boost for the World Cup, or at the same time, maybe they didn't deal with it as well as they could have. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I guess they'll look at the positive side of things and and try and learn from it. Um, that was one of the teams I I missed actually. Pakistan in a in a tournament based um, or tournament um, where one game they only have to beat you once. Um, Pakistan are as dangerous as as anyone. So as we saw in the Champions Trophy. Um, when they've got their best side in the park, um, they're, they're as good as anyone. So they're someone to, to look out for in, in, in the World Cup. Yeah, I think they're resting six players in that series against Australia. So, yeah. Another one's injured. So seven first-choice players are out. Um, going to be a different prospect when they get to England. Um, and is it going to be part – is the winner going to be determined by the team that adapts the conditions as well? There's so much talk about how during the back end of the series they're going to be playing on warm wickets. I mean, these – they're changing the venues a lot. I don't know how many games actually going to be played on all these wickets or not, but can you see the, the conditions changing from the start of the tournament to the end? It's not like we're playing across the whole summer. It's only six weeks, but even still, will it be seen bowling up front into spin at the end, or how do you sort of see it going? Yeah, I guess it could go that way. Um, as you said, I don't think they're going to play on the same wickets all that often, um, and I think there's a fresh 
definitely fresh wickets for the semi-finals onwards um, was one of the things I read. But uh, I mean, the Champions Trophy it didn't it didn't really swing at all. Um, it was probably a little bit too cold, I guess, to swing. Um, it, it seemed a little bit, um, but all in all, the 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 grounds are quite high scoring. The, the they're quite small in England. Um, the runs were flying pretty freely in, in most games we played. Um, so I don't think I don't think conditions are going to change too much throughout the the six or seven weeks. Do you think Australia have, have landed on that style they want to play? There was, as I think Finch spoke about in India, how it's tough to go in with a game plan, suffer losses, and stick with it. But they've persisted with it, and now they've got a, a formula that's working at the moment. Um, do you think they've, they've finally landed on it now, and you've got one that can go there and win it all? Yeah, I think so. Um, again, it changes a little bit from with the conditions and from from country to country. Um, I mean, in, in the UAE right now, it's probably easier to score in the first 10 than it is sometimes through the middle and the back end um, if the wicket does get a little bit worn. So, um, And then opposed that to England, it might be easier to score through the middle and at the end. So keep wickets in the shed maybe and, and have that late flurry for the last 15. So you sort of got to sum it up as you get there as well. Um, but yeah, the, I guess the main the main plan stays together. Yeah, I guess that's one thing I noticed in India was that uh, uh, while England go high risk high reward they just go for it um you know burst out of the gates go as hard as they can in that first 10 hour 10 over power play which is risky because there could be three down and nothing but there could be none for 90 mm-hmm. as they have been in recent times uh whereas australia sort of play the conditions don't play anything too adventurous bank those middle order wickets and then go hard at the end um i wonder if that plan has changed a whole lot from the World Cup in 2015, but maybe they've just gotten Australia's just gotten better at it. Yeah, I think yeah, you can have as many plans as you want in place, but if you execute them, is, is the main thing. So, I don't think it it varies too much from in 2015. Um, the Aussie grounds are a bit bigger. Um, you might need to go a little bit harder at the start when the field's up because um, you can't hit as many boundaries at the end. But I think it's a pretty similar general game plan, and it's just about executing it really. Whether you whether you're England and you go hard at the start. Um, it's just about executing the plans. Mm, they got uh, we're talking about players coming back in. Smith and Warner are back in action. Looks like they recovered from their elbow injuries. Warner made a great start to the IPL the other night, and Smith was in action uh, last night. Have you guys had a chance to catch up with them? They had that meeting in Dubai, but have the guys in Australia had a chance to catch up? Yeah, they've obviously been around training um, a fair bit with New South Wales and and BBL teams as well. Um, Mitch Stark and myself caught up with them before they left to the UAE um, just to talk about team dynamics mostly, um, see how everything was working and seeing what we can improve moving forward. Um, but yeah, to see them play in the IPL, um, just picked up where they, where they left off really. Um, they're, they're class players, so they're always going to score runs. Um, it's just a matter of squeezing them back into that, that top order, which is just going to be tough. Did you get the sense that um, they've been watching every game of cricket, they know exactly what's going on? Um I think they have been, um, but yeah, they probably didn't want to let us in on it. Um, <laughs> they're trying to distance themselves to a degree, and um, but yeah, they 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 both love cricket and they love following it. I can imagine Smith knowing him a little bit; he just loves it. So uh, I think he'd have, if he didn't watch the games live, he'd be checking out the highlights and the scores <laughs> yeah, and and checking it all out. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, I guess the other thing is the the harmony of the group. Um, they're getting along so well at the moment, these, uh, the Aussie team, and it could not be um, personified even more than uh, what we saw the other night with between Adam Zampa and Marcus Stoinis, two unplayable podcast favourites. Um, but uh, it was almost like they were 
I was trying to write it down how you would describe this, but I think it was affectionately <laughs> watching the match. It was almost like he was patting him or something. Zemba was patting Stoinis and uh, Langer reels around and shakes his head. Um, it's fair to say those two are pretty close. Yeah, those two are pretty close. Um, both a little bit strange, so um, probably a good fit for each other. Um, but yeah, we'll just we'll leave those two to that uh, behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> and what about uh, three games to go? Can the Aussies make it a clean sweep? Uh, I hope so. Yeah, everything's everything's looking that way. Um, but in saying that, you never write off Pakistan. They they're a class team. So um, yeah, hopefully keep the foot on the throat and and get that five nil. Isn't it amazing? You know, even three months ago, one day team was sixth in the world, thirty four year low, hadn't won a series for years, hadn't won an away series for a long time. Now they could go into the World Cup um, with wins in India, first time in more than a decade. And then a win in the UAE where they've struggled and against one of the top teams or the ICC um, reigning Champions Trophy um, champions. To go there on the back of that, it's just, it can turn around pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's that's the main thing in international cricket. Um, probably the top six or seven teams now, you, even if you suffer a couple of big losses or lose a couple of series in a row, you're never far off turning it around. And I guess it's just about sticking to your game plans at training and in, in games to, to know you're never far off and we've seen that with the ODI team now and we've seen it in test cricket you know, throughout the last few years from time to time so um, yeah you never should ride those ups and downs too much um, try and stay very level and you never know, you're, you always know you're not far off getting it back to, to where they are now I'm Pat Cummins. Now it's time for Play It or Leave It. Play It or Leave It time, Josh. Uh, we've got seven for you today. Um, you know that, how it works? Yep. I'm going to read you a statement. Uh, if you like it, you're going to play it. Don't like it, going to leave it. Easy. First one. Uh, these are all kind of topical. Uh, first one. Numbers on the back of Tess Whites. Looks like it's going to happen in the, uh, in the Ashes and for the Test Championship. Um, what are your thoughts? Play it or leave it? Leave it. Definitely leave it. What's, what What don't you like about it? Um, I'm just happy with how they are at the moment. That's sort of a one-day thing, I think, and test cricket with the tradition and history, then I don't think we need to need to do it. What about when you play shield cricket and stuff? Does it, does it change it? Does it affect you at all? Um, no, not really. I think sometimes when it's really hot, the big numbers on the back can, can soak up the sun a bit. And But no, it doesn't play on your... On, on how you're playing it's just uh, the looks I guess I wonder if you keep your same number do you keep the same number from one day or do you get a test number it'll be up to you guys I suppose um, pick, but yeah we'll uh, have to would you keep, we'll the, would you keep the same one um, nah mix it up I reckon would you <laughs> that's interesting yeah uh, it's, I mean tradition there are a few left in the game I suppose yeah. um, it's all cricket's radically changing day night cricket pink balls the whole lot um but, I mean, if it helps the fans identify the players. Yeah, I'd, nah, leave it. Okay, leave it. we're leaving that one. Uh, also spoken about the, the, the uh, Test Championship was using uh, the same ball throughout uh, those matches in that two-year block. Um, I think there were four different balls used at the moment. There's the Kookaburra Jukes ball in England uh, and there's two SG balls. Is that right? Oh, no, there's two uh, Jukes balls two and Jukes one balls. SG, SG, one SG in India. In the second Dukes used using the Caribbean, right? Um, so they're thinking about using the same ball uh, across all those games. Wondering whether that play it or leave it. Uh, leave it. I, I just think even if you go to, say, one Duke ball, it has to be modified for the different conditions around the world anyway. And you end up 
having three or four different types of the juke ball. So I don't see much difference, you know, sticking to what how it is now. I guess it's another one of the one of the big selling points and unique features of cricket is just the amount of variables in it. I mean, starting with the pitch, which is obviously the, the number one, but weather conditions, and it goes down to things like field sizes and the ball. I mean, you going to India, you have to master the conditions over there, but also bowling with an SG ball. Same when you go to England, such a different challenge. Mm-hmm. I guess if you took that away, it would lose a little bit of that spice in test cricket. Yeah, I guess that's why everyone's doing so well at home um, yeah. and, and probably has for a number of years. So it's just that extra advantage you have at home and you know the conditions you know the ball um and you're streets ahead of the other team before before a ball's bowled so um yeah i certainly like the way the juke ball behaves as a as a bowler it swings around and, and nips around but um yeah i think that's just one of the challenges of of international cricket mm. okay uh sounds like the stump mics the ICC and uh, the World Cup Committee are open to having their stump mics turned up, much like they were in the summer. So that was the first time it's really been done. Uh, Tim Payne, if he's selected, probably will uh, enjoy that, no doubt. Uh, got some good banner on there. But what about you, Josh? Uh, the, the, the stump mics are, are turned up like they were during the summer. you play that or leave that one? No, leave it, I reckon. I'm, uh, I mean, we could just walk 15 metres away and have a chat anyway and no one will know what we're saying, so... Um, if we're smart enough, we can do that. Um, I mean, you're going to get some. I think the viewers are, are really keen on it. They get some really good insights to to what happens out in the middle. Um, but I guess I'm just looking at it from a if you say something rash um, in the heat of the battle, it can get taken out of context, I guess, and and put against you from time to time. And I remember speaking to Nathan Lyon about this, and this is the one that you might have got pinged on. It's not often at the opponent; it's at yourself. You mm. bowl a ball down leg side, yep. and you're cursing it yourself. You might just let out an expletive, but it's not towards the batsman. It's just you've stuffed up and you're cursing yourself. Yeah, probably. I reckon 90, 95% of the time you, you're cursing yourself and sometimes it's out loud. And, and I mean, if you're around the stumps, then it, it's going to get picked up. So um, I'm happy to keep it between the players out in the middle. Did you notice any change this summer with the mics being up? Um, Apart from pain. I mean, yeah, Payne obviously got a fair bit of media around his comments and he did, he did pretty well at it, to be honest. And I guess that's the one person that's going to... Um, impact the most is the wicketkeeper and, and obviously the bowlers and batters from time to time but I mean he handled it very well um, he's quite witty so it suited him down to the ground Didn't, but it, for the whole team didn't change much? Oh, I mean everyone knows it's on you just got to pretend it's on 100% of the time and mm. if you're going to say something mm. then it's not around the stumps Nathan Lyon was saying in India that uh, the umps even gave him a heads up said that uh, you know they did that one over of listening or whatever and he oh, said yeah, just be yeah. wary so yeah I think the broadcasters give us a heads up as well um, they won't use anything like that live and they'll they'll go feedback through it and ask us if it's alright to use so mm-hmm. how about this one this one's a little bit left to centre left field um, so much advantage for, for batsmen in the game Josh I'm sure you'd agree with that yeah absolutely uh, how about if you in limited overs cricket you get to bowl an extra ball after taking a wicket that's interesting, that one. Um, my only, my only opinion would be if, if it was a catch, a skied catch, and then, and the batter who was already in is on strike for your next ball, would you want to bowl it again? Mm. If it's a fresh, if it's definitely at the new batter, then I'd, I'm happy with it. I'll play it. Um, but if they cross and the batter who's might be on 120 and it's the last couple of overs and he smacks you for six or something, then I'll leave that. <laughs> so there's still a bit of work to do. There. Perhaps it's an option for the bowler. Yeah. Goes, yeah, I will have another ball, thanks. 
I was also thinking it might stuff up scorecards because then all of a sudden, if you do it in a one-day game, you're bowling, you could bowl 10.5 overs. Yeah. And you can bowl more balls than the other team, I guess. And Exactly. Things they could fair, score more runs off them as well. You that's know? true. So, so yeah. That's the risk. Um, I was thinking... A bit of work to do on that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was thinking maybe if you get two in a row, it's the end of the over. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Have, a, let's have a crack now to try and get that. For the crowd, yeah. 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 Could be an option. And the thing, the, the, the hundred that they're bringing in over there in England... Uh, there aren't any overs. I think it's just deliveries. Everything is just, you know, you've bowled 20 balls, mm. not four overs or whatever it is. Um, we've got uh, the Shield final coming up. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. Uh, they're going to introduce the bonus point system for the Shield final. Uh, past couple of years, I guess, even past decade or so, uh, flat wickets, the team that finished first only needs to draw the game to win the trophy. But now uh, with the bonus system, in, bonus point system in play, um, there's going to be a bit of excitement, so the, the uh, home team just can't bat for two days and, and draw the game. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, play it, definitely. Um, especially with New South Wales finishing second this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's a it's a good it's a good look, I think. Um, yeah, we've had some pretty dire uh, finals in the last 10 years or so, so yeah, anything that can improve that, um, yeah, play it, definitely. Had the Blues finished on first place, would you have played it? Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> no, the guys are the guys will be happy with it whether they finish first or second. I think um, you still want to feel like you've won the final, not just drawn it. So feel like you deserve that trophy. And I guess the, the point system has been pretty successful. I mean, you would have played it. Have you found it over the past couple of years since it's been introduced? Yeah, I've only played a, a couple of games, but I think it just yeah, it just gets the cricket a bit more positive brand. I guess scoring those runs in the first hundred overs or, or taking wickets. So. Um, and we've obviously seen that the teams of who have played that brand of cricket have, have ended up on top a lot of the time. So mm. it's obviously working. Big news overnight, which was Monday night, uh, with the man cat in the IPL, Ravi Ashwin getting at Joss Butler. Uh, it's just divided opinion. Some saying they hate it. Um, Shane Warne doesn't like it. Mitchell Johnson is a fan of it, maybe because he's a bowler. Um, but uh, where do you stand at Ashwin's? Coming through, he's seen Butler walk out of his crease. He's taken off the bales. Bit of conjecture about did he stop and his action and uh, Butler kept walking. Was he still in his crease at the point of delivery? All that type of stuff. But uh, where do you stand on sort of the the, the man cads in cricket? No, nah, I'm not not happy with it at all. I don't think um, I don't think it should be in the in the game at all. To be honest, um, I mean maybe if the batter's done to. To really worth take, it. yeah, worth it. To really take advantage, then the umpire needs to step in. Um, but I don't think you should be able to get a batsman out that way. Um, yeah, and, and even in this instance, Josh Butler was was hardly out of his crease. He wasn't jogging in with the bowler. He wasn't running. He was pretty stationary, to be honest. So, um, yeah, definitely not in this instance. Um, maybe need to tinker with the rules a bit um, to, to work out a certain way. But I think it should be out um, completely. Like just abolish that rule, yeah. I yeah. Think so. But it's funny. I mean, you you can't really have a batsman really taking advantage of it by you know the point of delivery being two meters down the crease. I thought there was a whole warning thing. I don't mm. know if that was in the rules or not. More of like a an unwritten law, you know, gentleman's agreement. Yeah, say, I think yeah. it just comes down to common sense. I think. Yeah. Um, playing in that spirit of the game, as as everyone talks about, and yes, I just don't think it's a it's not it's not a great way to get a wicket. Yeah, I also think when I mean, batsmen. They should stay in their crease because how many times in the past year or so have we seen yeah. <laughs> the non-striker being run out? Yeah, absolutely. The ball getting smashed back and, and run out the bowls in, so it can work both ways, I guess. Just stay in your crease. <laughs> and finally, uh, it was revealed a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month now, that uh, 
the Aussies are going to wear the 99 retro kit next summer against the Kiwis. Um, great kit. Uh, hopefully there's a bit of synergy there with a, a successful World Cup campaign in 99, with a successful cup, World Cup campaign in 2019. Um, what about uh, – there was lots of – the competition was fantastic. Hundreds of thousands, millions of votes. Uh, Josh, I know that you and I are both fans of the Blue Stripe. Yeah. That was our first shirt. Um, I was desperate to get that in. But the 99 Cup, uh, one overall. What about retro kits every summer? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, obviously, watching growing up through those periods and um, you remember you know, instinct, or distinctly what they were wearing at the time and you just mentioned the Blue Stripe down the side. That was my first shirt growing up. Um, when they play in that, maybe early 2000s or even late 90s. Late 90s, um, early 2000s, I reckon, yeah. But myself and my brother had that shirt growing up and, and wore it till it fell apart. So I was voting for that, but I'm happy with the 99 World Cup as well. What about the yellow lid? Are you up for the yellow <laughs> yellow helmet as well? I can't see why not. If we're in you know, a, a kit that is mostly yellow, I'm, I'm happy to throw the yellow helmet on. I Hopefully like I don't bat in one day cricket, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if I if I had to. <laughs> the best part I liked about, I mean, first of all, what's the what is a blue stripe doing on an Australian one day kit? <laughs> Mark, I'm not sure. I think Kane Richardson called it marketing genius, but I also liked the mustardy yellow. That was that was another yeah. real selling point for me. That has the mustardy yellow. Yeah, yeah. The, the helmet as well. So I just remember watching Mark Waugh and Adam Gilchrist <laughs> just destroy teams yeah, at true. the top. Yeah. And Brett Lee, that was right at the start of his career. Yeah, yeah, might have been his first kit, and he was just running in bowling lightning. Some good kits. All right, the Shield final preview, Victoria versus New South Wales, Junction Oval. You can watch it live on Fox Cricket and the KO app. Josh, you won't believe this, but New South Wales are going for their 47th Shield title uh, and Victoria, they're going for their 32nd, but perhaps more importantly, their fourth in five years. They've been a dominant team over the past half decade. Uh, big turnaround for the Blues this year. Let's start with them. Uh, they finished fifth last year. There's been a change of coach. Uh, refreshed, uh, revitalised roster. What do you think has been the biggest shift for the Blues over the past 12 months? Uh, I think probably just getting that balance of senior players and, and inexperienced players coming through. There's some good youngsters that have put their hand up from time to time and I think it's more so the experienced guys doing the job um, week in, week out. I think just seeing them during pre-season and before the season started was so so much hard work was done and so much time was put into skills, I guess, um, a lot of time so they were very fit um, they'd done all the hard work in pre-season and their skills were you know up to scratch when the season started and then it's just about putting them into practice I guess once the game started and um, we've seen some standout performers probably with the ball most of all um, a couple of batters putting their hand up from time to time but taking those 20 wickets is what you need to to make a shield final uh, more often than not so big big shout out to the quicks. Yeah, we'll talk about the quicks now. Trent Copeland took 44 wickets in eight games and Sean Abbott, 31 and 7. And I'm not sure you've seen the highlights. He took seven for down there in that last game and was bending the ball around yeah. corners. Uh, talking about using a jukes ball, I think uh, Sean would be uh, in favour of using that more often. Absolutely. They were just ducking in late, weren't they? Um, a lot of LBs and bolts. Um, not sure if it's something he's been working on, but he got it down, down pat the other day and took seven on a roll and, and got us into the Shield final. So... Don't think Western Australian were too happy with him, but um, it's good to see the Blues boys back in there. And this has been his best year, Sean. Have you seen him develop and what's sort of seen him go to the next level? Yeah, I think it's um, just playing consistent cricket uh, is one thing for the quicks. Um, As you say, he's played seven games this year, so um, he's had a bit of a rough trot, I guess, the last few years, but 
Um, it looks like he's come out the other side now and, and playing some really good cricket consistently and um, I'm expecting big things from him again this week in, in the final. Yeah, and uh, Dan Hughes, just short of 700 runs. Nick Larkin, those two have formed a very solid opening partnership. You've also got Curtis Patterson, who won test selection off his form for Australia A or the, what's Australia, or the CA11 and then uh, and then the Blues as well. So the, batting, uh, the batters are doing their job as well. And then if you throw in the young guys like um, Jack Edwards and Jason Sanger who have got their maiden uh, blues hundreds this year, uh, it's sort of hard to single out one person, isn't it? Yeah, and that's probably the the big thing that, that's been, I mean, that they've been working on, I guess, is sharing that load. Um, they haven't relied on one or two players um, bat or ball. So um, you just mentioned there the runs are pretty spread out and I guess when someone's not scoring them, someone else puts their hand up and, and does the business. Moses scored a few hundreds or a few runs um, in, in times of need um, when other guys haven't. So um, it's been shared, as you mentioned, and that's what you need um, to, to go all the way. And, and talk about fast bowlers, Harry Conway. He's a, he's a big uh, favourite amongst the teammates. Good to see him get a run and really deliver. I mean, he bowls an outswing as good as anyone. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see Big H um, playing some shield cricket. And, you know, he's been doing it behind the scenes and playing second eleven for a number of years now. And he's sort of played here and there and filled in. But um, he's, I think he's played the last four or five straight. So um, to see him, and he, he brought Vicks unstuck, actually, at Jermoyne on a low-scoring wicket a um, couple of weeks ago. So might be a few demons there moving forward and um, hopefully has a good run in the final. Have you got a great Harry Conway story? There <laughs> seems to be a lot floating around. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I was actually hoping he'd get his hat-trick. I think last game he was on a hat-trick in Tasmania and um, there's some good scenes of him getting a hat-trick against Nepal, I think it was, in a 19th <laughs> yeah. Cup game. So um, that's a few years back now, but... Um, yeah, if you want to have a look, go and Google it. The celebrations. Uh, <laughs> I think he still talks about it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and the Victorians, uh, as we mentioned, four and five years, uh, they've been a dominant team. First-class cricket in Australia, across pretty much all cricket the past four or five years, um, with the Stars and Renegades playing in the BBL final uh, this summer. Uh, Marcus Harris has led the way. A thousand runs in the year for him, plus he's played test cricket. Um, he's been a test teammate of yours. Um, what makes him so good? Why is he so, why is he such a good opener? Um I think he's he's obviously played a fair bit of cricket now, um, and it, it, sometimes it takes a batsman a long time to to work out their their game plan and the way they want to play their cricket. So I think it's just all clicked for him, probably late last year and and through this year. So um, yeah, he's been fantastic, a thousand runs, and I mean, Vic's, the Victorians have got a lot of lot of quick bowlers as well, um, quality spinner in in Dutchy Holland. So they're all pretty seasoned players and um, they know their roles and um, they've been playing some consistent cricket and shield cricket for, as you said, the last five years. And I guess there's a real winning um, mentality down there too. Isn't it? They know how to win games and how to win titles uh, and it's led by the fast bowls. Chris Remain, another solid year. He's a New South Welshman though, isn't he? So yeah. you're going to claim him? Uh, he's been down there for a while now. so mm. he, still sp- he still speaks like country. <laughs> he like. does. Um, he took 42 wickets. Uh, Peter Siddle's chipped in there. Boland again uh, with amongst the wickets at the start of the season. Um, but James Pattinson, he's one that's really uh, lit it up since he's come back. He's come back from a really bad back injury. He's dealt with some side injuries sustained in the BBL. He's only taken nine wickets in six games, but it's his strike rate of 39.4, which is just about the best in the competition. just shows what an impact he can have on a game. Absolutely. He, he's probably been playing as that fifth bowler um, in, a, in a lot of the Shield games this year and sort of bowling maybe 10 or 12 overs and in innings. Um, but I think, you know, last two games and, and probably the final he's going to ramp that up and, and bowl a few more. So 
He's a big worry for New South Wales. When he gets on a roll, he sort of takes wickets in big clumps, um, a bit like Stuart Broad. So um, he's a tough one to, to handle when he's firing. Um, he's all or nothing a lot of the time on the field. So, um, yeah, he's, he's overcome some big injuries, though, in the last couple of years, as you mentioned. So good to see him back out in the park and just strengthening up those, you know, that, that group of quicks. I was going to say that you guys are all competitive. You always going to want to go out there and win. But I just feel like with James, he is just that bit more competitive than everyone else. He just loves getting out there and getting fired up and getting right in that contest. Absolutely. Loves the loves the the pressure, the his bit white line fever. Um once he gets that ball in his hand, he's he's just um he's all go, so it's it's good to watch. How's he gonna go if the stunt mics are up? <laughs> um yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see. We'll see. But it's also great to see ahead of the Ashes because he's toured England before. He's done very well for Nottingham alongside Stuart Broad. Uh, you'd have to think if they're taking five or so quicks for England. If he's fit, he's got to be putting his hand up for a spot. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, he's been on an Ashes tour before and um, unluckily missed out on the last one with injury. But as you said, played with knots um, for, for half a season last year and, and did remarkably well. Yeah. Um, took a lot of wickets. And those are conditions. Um, I guess there's still a fair bit of cricket to go before the Ashes squad's picked. So if he can get through some consistent cricket, it's still a, quite a big step up to play as, as one of the quicks in a test match, I guess, purely on workloads. Um, he might be asked to bowl close to 50 overs a game rather than he's probably tweaking out 20 or 30 at the moment. So um, still a lot of workloads to go for him, but he's heading in the right direction, definitely. Have you cast your mind ahead to the Ashes? Are you still just focusing on getting fit, getting right for the World Cup? Um, I'm just short-term at the moment, focused on getting fit, um, getting that bowling under the belt and, and getting right for, for the World Cup. All right, well, let's take your mind out just now then. Uh, <laughs> what, what did you learn from that 2015 series? You only played the four games. Did you have a calf injury for the fifth one? Uh, I had some little bit of shin soreness. Shin but, soreness, um, lower limb. I think it was purely my my body was letting me down towards the end, I think. Um, coming off my first big summer of international cricket, Went to the West Indies for two tests, did pretty well, um, and then obviously leading into an Ashes series. So it's a long, long time when you do it first up, and and probably just my body let me down in probably the, the third, fourth, and then obviously missed the last test. So I felt like I started really well in in the first two tests and even parts of the third. Um, but yeah, still a few things to work on. But I was pretty happy with. I think I got 16 wickets at at, at mid 20s average. So pretty happy with the with the results. Um, but yeah, there's always things to work on. I guess people do forget that uh, that you would have been, like you said, only a handful of test matches heading into that, mm. what, six or so before uh, that series? Five, I think, before that, yeah. And then uh, Mitch Stark wouldn't have played a whole lot. He's certainly not the bowler he is now. And then you had Mitch Johnson over there. So it was a very different tack in terms of experience. Mm. Um, how much better do you think you are equipped to go there and perform better this time? Yeah, I think just from playing four or five years of international cricketers, you know, you learn things along the way in different conditions and, and are able to put them into practice. So um, I think I'll be better off. Um, and I think, you know, picking the attack is, is picking the conditions as well. So um, you might go with different quicks on different grounds. And um, I remember last time with, with the two Mitches, they were predominantly the same bowler in, in some regards, both quick, both aggressive, um, both could leak runs on, on certain days. So it was quite tough to bowl with them sometimes. Um, whereas if you're bowling with another you know, maybe a Peter Siddle or someone like that, um, even a Pat Cummins, and it's just different, you know, variables um, mm. coming to practice. So it's about picking the right bowls for the right conditions as well. It's going to be a really tough one for the Steelers, I imagine, because of the short turnaround between the World Cup and the Ashes. Say, um, 
I mean, say Mitch Stark plays all uh, 11 games in the World Cup to make it to the final. Uh, he won't have much time to get ready for that first test match. I mean, you and Pat Cummins could be the same. You all could have mm. played 11 games straight. Uh, not a lot of time. How much time do you need to get ready for that first Ashes test? There might be guys who have played three four-day games over there at that point. Um, who, yeah. wants to, who wants to be a selector? <laughs> I mean, everyone's going to be in a bit of a different position physically and how much prep they've had with the right ball and the right conditions. Or um, I think whatever you're playing international cricket, that's the best prep you can have, um, whether it's a different format or not. Um, the intensity is right up there and you can't can't be off your game in those circumstances. So, But in saying that, you'd, you'd like a few more games with the Duke ball maybe beforehand to, to work on a few things. But um, I think we've got one four-day game in between those two tournaments and probably a couple of training sessions so it's going to be a pretty quick turnaround um in saying that the last four tests are, are back-to-back as well so mm-hmm. i think it's going to be near impossible for for any quicks to play all five as well with it being such a tight schedule yeah i think there's, they're losing normally it goes first two test matches to a game two more test matches to a game than the final test they've pulled one of those out now and the two game before the first test is australia versus australia a which might be my favourite fixture on the entire <laughs> calendar. I just I'm fascinated about how those teams will be picked, the intensity. Like it's going to uh, hopefully it's eleven on eleven. It's not some fifteen on fifteen squad game, you know. But eleven on eleven, dead set selection shootout. Who knows when the uh, the Ashes squad will be named? It might be named after that game. So in terms of intensity, it mm. might be the unofficial six tests of the of the of the tour. Yeah, it could be. Um, it's pretty exciting, I guess. When I was growing up, they used to have Australia in a few of the one-day tournaments and watching those head-to-heads, um, McGrath versus Hayden and, and things yep. like that was was pretty exciting. Um, it'll be interesting to see what bowls are on which team and who are we bowling against. Exactly. The do, you, each team. do you have the so test bowls against the test batters or do you pick the you mix test it up. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting. So, um, yeah, that's another one to look forward to, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, well, I think we should get them in the retro kits. Let's, let's <laughs> <laughs> be definitely 11-11 though, I reckon, so... Be a, there'll be no, there'll be no um, changing. Be as close to first class as you could as you could get. So, um, could it be first class? I yeah, I'm not sure could. to be honest. I was just thinking that. Uh, anyway, it'll, it'll feel Austra- like first Australia class game. A games are first class games. That's so, true. So Australia, we'll see. Australia. Well, that's, that won't change much, though, will it? If, nah, it, if a game's nah, got first class status, does it really nah. make much difference in a tour game? I don't. Uh, if as long as there's 11 players on each team, I think it's it's played as close to a first class game as possible. But there'll be no holding back. That's what no, I'm, definitely know. not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in the field though, no diving, right? <laughs> maybe. If you're no close diving. to the boundary, you, go, well, you, know, you can have that for me. Back to the Shield final. We should wrap, it, yep. wrap that up. Um, I'm not going to ask you who's going to win uh, or who, you, who you're supporting. <laughs> uh, but who are some of the, the, the standout players? You spoke about Pato having a big game. Um, who do you expect to, to really put their hand up in this Shield final? Uh, I think it'll come down to Victoria's bowling against our batting. So if we can... If we can make enough runs, I think our bowling will take care of itself. But facing their quicks is probably the, the biggest challenge you're going to have in first-class cricket around Australia. Um, so if we can face them all right and wear them down and keep them out there for long periods, um, do all the things you talk about as a batting group. Um, so that obviously comes down to those top order, those top four are probably big keys for us. And Curtis has, probably hasn't had his... Well, he's scored a few runs since, since his test debut, but um, he'll be looking to put his hand up and score a big one. So I'll knock, put him down for 100. He'll be another player that you'd think in that Australia versus Australia A game in a retro kit. Maybe you might be you might be bowling against him. Maybe who knows? Um, well, that's it for the, this week's episode, Josh. Uh, what do you got on for the rest of the week? 
Uh, just training, mate. Training the next uh, few days, a few appearances. So, got to get a few appearances in while Paddy Cummins is away. He usually, usually steals them all. So, um, he yeah, soaks them up. Yeah, big Are you work. doing stuff with community cricket, uh, helping the grassroots out? Yep, always in the grassroots cricket. Um, you know, getting back out to the country as I did with Tamworth and um, seeing how they operate. So, helping out wherever you can. And um, yeah, grassroots cricket is where we all started. So, it's good to get out there. Very good. Thank you again for coming on. Uh, That's it for today's episode. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Unplayable podcast on iTunes and you can also catch the show on Spotify. Watch all the Shield final action on Fox Cricket and the KO app. And for all the news, scores and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.